Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 107. I'm Kip Clark, and we have a returning guest today, Olivia Sanabria. Hello. Today, we're going to be discussing our broader perception of strangers in the spirit of very similar episodes. My first question to you, Olivia, is how you define a stranger. I guess a stranger is anyone you see on the street or anywhere in your life that you've never met before. Just thinking even walking down like college campuses, there are people you see all the time. They're not necessarily strangers, you know? I agree. I would apply that definition as well. And to share an anecdote to which I would love your reactions, a few summers ago, I was flying back from visiting graduating seniors at college and I had said goodbye to them. And so I got to the airport and got on the plane. And when I sat down, there was a girl sitting next to me who appeared to be about my age and I had my headphones in. And before I sat down, I thought she had said something or it appeared as though she had reacted in some way. And so I took the earbuds out and said, is something wrong? Do you need to get into the aisle? And she said, no, 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 you're fine. And so I sat down and put my earbuds back in and continued to play games on my phone and listen to music. And I thought to myself, as I often do on public transportation and for further thoughts, you can see, I think, episode five of this podcast in which Hector and I discussed public transportation. I thought, as I often do, how sad it is that we don't talk to people who are sitting right next to us, and in many cases, who are just like us. Whether we see racial or gender or status differences when it comes to socioeconomic status, there are people underneath the masks that we believe we perceive. And I think it's so unfortunate that we don't reach out and have conversations. And I remember thinking that pretty consistently for the first 10 minutes or so of this two-hour flight. And I began to do other things. At one point, I took out notes that people had written me when I had said goodbye to them. And I opened the notes and unsealed them, but didn't take out the notes inside of the envelopes and put those back in my bag and said, I'll read those later. I don't need the emotional pick-me-up yet. And at about 30 or 45 minutes into the flight, the girl turned to me and said, hey, when we get to Philadelphia, are you staying there or are you flying somewhere else? And we started talking about it. And I said, no, I'm actually flying home to Boston. What about you? And she said, I'm actually going to Scotland, which amazed me. And I was really interested. And so we started discussing it. And I learned that she had family there. If I remember correctly, and this was the only conversation I have ever had with this person, her father is from the U.S., but her mother is from and still lives in Scotland. And so she was visiting her mother's side of the family, including her grandmother and aunts, and flying home from college in Ohio. And so we had this discussion and talked about our majors and our classes. She was a sophomore at the time. I was a junior, of course, at different schools. But it was nice to connect. And I remember thinking, I may never see this person again, but what a pleasure to interact with another human being when it is so rare that we interact with strangers. So we had this conversation, and it wasn't until the end of the conversation that she pointed out, hey, I don't actually know your name. And I said, I'm Kip. What about you? And she said she was Sarah. We continued the conversation and then the plane landed and we went our separate ways. And I said, it was great talking to you. Have fun in Scotland. And she said, likewise, you know, enjoy your trip to Boston. And we parted ways and we didn't friend each other on Facebook. We didn't swap phone numbers. And I remember a number of people hearing that story that summer asked me why I had made further contact with her and presumed that I had been flirting when in reality I had just enjoyed the conversation and appreciated it for what it was. But it is very interesting that in the rare instances we speak to strangers, perhaps there's a pressure to continue talking to them and to make them long-term friends that we return to down the line, when in reality 
I was just happy to talk to Sarah. And if for some reason she's listening to this, it was a great conversation that I still reflect upon feeling very comfortable. And I think that's so rare around strangers. So as broad as it might be, Olivia, what are your reactions to that somewhat lengthy anecdote? I actually know a few people, including myself, who have had these conversations with people on planes in particular. I think maybe it's something to do with being trapped and not having anywhere else to go and it being very long that you do end up having a conversation with the person next to you if you're open to it. And I wish that was more common in places where you're not as trapped, like, for example, the tea or other forms of public transportation. But maybe it's as simple as those rides are shorter and people are in their daily commutes versus when you're on a plane, it's also exciting. You're going somewhere and it was a bigger endeavor and perhaps there's a story like Scotland attached to it. So maybe people are more open in their travels. I also think it's easier to connect to people that are closer to your age or demographic. A lot of my friends on their study abroad adventures say that it is so easy to make friends and talk to strangers. And I think that's partially because everyone's a stranger when you're abroad. So if you don't talk to strangers, who are you going to talk to? And also, I've heard that when you're American and you go abroad, if you hear an American accent anywhere, you'll just go up to that person and say, where are you from? Why are you here? And it's immediately something that connects people when they feel othered in another country. And I think that's great. I think that's a huge draw for me of why I wanted to go abroad was to meet new people. But I do wish that it was more common to meet new people in our everyday lives, though, and that you didn't have to be on a plane or travel overseas to have those types of conversations. And I'd be curious to ask, because of course there is a gender difference, what your experience as a woman is like when it comes to strangers, because I'm very aware that as a white male, there are certain privileges I enjoy that I don't even think about when it comes to meeting new people and interacting with strangers in public. In terms of walking down the street, I definitely think it's difficult being a woman. I live in the city in Boston, and if you're walking home from a friend's house, all your friends want to make sure you text them when you get there. There's even an app called Companion where you can sync up your phone to your friend's phone and they can track you as you walk and you can call 911 or whatever. And I think it's sad that we can't be as trusting, but it's definitely the sort of thing where if I'm walking down the street and there is a man coming, I will cross the street regardless of any race or age or stature, just if it's man, I will cross the street. And I think that's sad, but it's also safe to do that. But that's like when you're walking down the street at night. I think it's different when you're on the train or one time I was in New York and a guy came up to me and was hitting on me and helped me find Grand Central Station. And it was actually helpful and he wasn't creepy. But I think it depends a lot on like circumstance and what time of day it is and where you are. And I go to Boston University, so I take the tea a lot. And I cannot believe that there are up to 50, maybe 100 people on a train car standing within inches of each other. And it's silent because nowadays everyone has headphones in. And it's actually bizarre to talk on the tea in the morning when people are, you know, commuting and tired. But it's really sort of sad if you just take a moment to look up from your phone or your paper and see that you're surrounded by so many human beings and no one is communicating. I think it's sad. I think that's a very fair point to make. And I know there's a famous image of 
a lot of individuals on a train car 80 or so years ago and they were all reading the newspaper and not talking to one another and people argue well nothing's changed people always look for distractions to remove themselves from social interactions but i suspect a lot of our listeners actually might currently be on a train <laughs> or in some form of public transportation when listening to this and i would encourage them to if not necessarily start up a conversation to look around and take note of all the people around you regardless of as you said age creed race religion anything there are so many things that we can constantly point out which do set us apart from people but i also find it fascinating to think about that diversity because there are so many stories in public transportation that you don't know so many people that are different from you who have so much that you could learn and it really is sad that we don't talk to them more. Are there things you think people could say or ask strangers to gently get to know them better? I think in general, if you can look for a common link, for example, I have a friend who just traveled to New York to see one of his favorite comic book authors, and he ended up having a great conversation with the girl in line behind him because there was a common interest there. When I go to concerts, I often end up talking to the people around me. So I think when you're in a specific situation that is special in some way, it's very easy to talk to the people around you if you're open to it. I also have recently made an effort to sometimes take my headphones out or just listen to the conversations of people around me. That's partially because I'm a writer and I'm trying to write down conversations that people have, but it can be very interesting to hear people interact with the Dunkin' Donuts people in front of you or hear people talking to their loved ones on the phone and on the tea. And I think if you're listening for it, you might discover that you have something in common and can start a conversation. But that's hard to do if you're always trapped on your phone or in your headphones. Absolutely. And to take this in a direction that I actually hadn't anticipated in reference to smartphones and the technology we use, which might isolate us, do you feel differently about strangers online because we are protected by a screen? Or do you feel relatively similarly towards people you don't know on the internet? I think people are very bold on the internet. People that wouldn't necessarily start that conversation in person sometimes feel no hesitation with starting that conversation online. I personally don't use any dating apps, so I don't have that experience a lot. But my friends do, and it's easier, I think to start that conversation through Tinder with an emoji or with just a hey than it is to actually take the courage in person to say something. Actually, that makes me think this summer I studied at the Second City, which is an improvisational comedy school. And one day in class, our assignment was go outside and give this paper tissue flower to a stranger. The reactions from my classmates were so vast. I am very comfortable usually with people, but it was hard to just go out on the street and go up to a stranger and say, here, I made this paper flower. Do you want it? So our teacher even gave us an out. Like he gave us something to do. And I did it with a friend. I had my friend Ashley with me and I went up to a man who was unchaining his bike and said, hello, sir, do you want this flower? And he said, yes. And then I said, have a good day. And I walked away. And my friend Ashley gave one to a man crossing the street. But it was interesting. My friend Brooke couldn't do it. She was so upset and she's very introverted and has trouble talking to strangers. And she eventually maybe gave it to some security guard in the building. But it was a really difficult exercise for people, even people who were studying performing. 
So I can't imagine how hard that would be for someone who wasn't even trying to stand on stage. Right. And as a performer and a future performer, I think it would be interesting to hear about your thoughts as a figure in public, because performers are often acquaintances in the minds of the viewer or the audience because people feel as though they know you because they've seen you and they've heard what you sound like and who you are and maybe forget that you were playing a character but you might encounter them after a show and an admirer could say well I'm such a huge fan of your work and I love everything that you do and they are strangers who have a common interest in you as a person and what you have done and I'd be curious to hear if you've either had those experiences yet or if you've thought about that idea and maybe have met celebrities before where they are not a stranger to you in your mind, but you are definitely a stranger to them. Yeah, this morning, actually, I got a friend request on Facebook and I had never heard of the person's name, but saw that we had over 100 mutual friends. And I figured out that he's a freshman in my program at school. And I was thinking, we've never had a conversation. We've never even met. But then it occurred to me that he had seen me on stage and that he'd probably seen one, two or three of the shows that I had been in this semester and that he felt comfortable fronting me on Facebook, even though we'd never spoken. And I accepted it because we're in the same program and I was thinking that I'll meet him next year. But it really is weird sometimes that people can get to know you from being on stage. And then I guess I absolutely do the same thing for celebrities. Yesterday, I was talking about Leonardo DiCaprio and how I felt personally attached to his career and needed him to succeed and how I supported him like a family member, like so lovingly. And my friend was making fun of me, but I get very attached to celebrities. And I think that is part of it. You're putting your work out there, especially if you're on social media that you're welcoming the public into your life because I think that's part of the reason why certain celebrities go into the business. I agree. I think that's definitely a part of it. I also wonder to what extent human beings need familiarity. I think strangers exist because we have a contrast. We can think, well, I know my friends and I know my family. I might have a romantic relationship and all these people are the exact opposite of strangers. Do you think that we would feel, I contend as a culture, such aversion towards strangers if we didn't have such a strong conception of inner circles and close friends and family? Or do you think the concept of a stranger, a social other, will always and has always existed? I feel like it has always and will always exist. Although I guess like back a really long time ago, there were more strangers than acquaintances. Like I was just thinking like cavemen times. And then maybe they had an easier time communicating with each other because at a certain point in history, they might not have even had language yet. So the barriers were easier to break, perhaps. What do you think? I've often heard that it's natural to form an in-group and out-group in your mind. And that's what people do all the time. We say, whether consciously or in our unconscious preferences and behavior, that we are defined by our traits as members of certain groups rather than by our abilities to empathize with and connect to others, or by our shared and varied human interests. And I'm not suggesting that these categories are useless to us, but I think it's well worth the effort to respectfully engage with those who differ from us because of the insight and perspective they can provide insight I feel that we often lack as a result of constant interaction with our respective in-groups. None of this is to say that the concept of strangers presents a tragic element in our lives, but that many of us might be having shared, silent thoughts about reaching out 
but also share the stigmatized associations with doing so. And I do suspect that we are always going to find other people that we don't know fall into that outgroup. But I think it's a personal definition in our minds that we don't need to succumb to. And I wish that more people recognized that the outgroup you perceive is really not that large. And I often challenge myself to remember or to believe that my in-group is humanity because you can choose to see those differences. And I certainly don't think I'm the only person who feels this way and I'm not an altruist up on a pedestal. But if you continue to believe in outgroups, I worry that you will ultimately say, in correlation with your love of your in-group, that your outgroup could never be that good. And to a certain extent, the more I love my in-group, the more I will either dislike or avoid the outgroup. And I think that's dangerous because with the experience of your friend, for example, either being introverted or just in general feeling uncomfortable around strangers, I suspect there is cultural conditioning that goes on there. And people have reminded her or other people who feel similarly that strangers are dangerous. Strangers will kidnap you, do all kinds of terrible things, or just in general treat you with disrespect. And I think that collectively, if all of us as a culture believe that, then none of us will interact with one another, even though we've all been taught the same lesson. And I think on some level, all want respect to be given and also mutually that we can give respect to other people. And so I think to a degree, the concept of a stranger is dangerous. And I know that it does involve mental gymnastics to try and incorporate other people into our lives and into our in-groups. But I do think it's a worthwhile challenge. And I'd be curious to know, as I mentioned cultural conditioning, to what extent your family or other groups or communities that you've been a part of have encouraged the idea of a stranger as someone to be avoided or perhaps discouraged that idea. I think as a theater person, I've been encouraged to always welcome strangers. Every single class I've ever taken has told me to observe the way people walk, listen to their conversations, because as an actor, you're trying to replicate the human experience, and you can't do that without observing it in other people. So I think maybe I have a unique perspective. I purposefully take out my headphones so I can write down a conversation that I can maybe use in a play. Other people have no interest in hearing the conversation next to them. But I do think it makes you more of an open person if you're more open to the strangers in your life. I think I see that in you and I see that in all of the performing friends that I have. But I also am not shaming those who are introverted, like homebodies, who have their really close inner circle and are happy with that and don't want to branch out because that is common. But I wonder what ways, though, you can encourage those who are more satisfied just with their inner circle to branch out. Well, I think on some level, remembering that the people you find most familiar and close and around whom you are most comfortable are strangers to someone else. For example, I feel incredibly comfortable talking to you, being around you, but I should remember that to someone out there and to many people, in fact, you are a stranger. One important practice in breaking down the wall, and I would argue the myth, of the stranger is to introduce people. And for friends who are introverted, perhaps asking them, am I allowed to introduce you to other people? I really like you and wish that more people could benefit from your company. And if they say no, that's perfectly fine. But for those like you or I who are more comfortable around people, we should challenge ourselves to continue certain extroverted behavior and try to introduce ourselves to more people and remind other people that we might be strangers at first, but as soon as you get to know someone, you're no longer a stranger. And one of my favorite quotations is, a stranger is simply a friend that I haven't met yet. 
that's powerful and worth considering. And I know a lot of people listening to this might say, well, Kip, you can't trust everyone and people are always going to try and hurt you or look out for themselves. But I think to a degree, that belief is a propagated idea that you've bought into. And the more you buy into it, the more you continue to echo it. And if you believe it, you have children who might someday believe it and their children might someday believe it. And I think with any value or belief, it's a cycle that could be broken or to use less aggressive language could be altered in some way. And so I would challenge people to think less about strangers and more about what you would like to learn from other people because people are everywhere. What you said about not trusting people or people might hurt you, why do you have to assume that before you meet them? That's assuming the worst and that's sort of a pessimistic view and perhaps realistic, but it's more fun and optimistic and leads to more opportunity if you assume that people are good and potential friends. And then once you get to know them, you can decide if they're not trustworthy or out for themselves. Something I think about all the time when driving is I look at other people in their cars and think like you have a whole life and you affect so many people. And I just think that's the coolest thing. <laughs> like at airports and in cars, especially when I look at just all these people going by who I will never know, maybe, I think it's humbling and reminds me that my life is just one, but also I think about how many people I've affected and how many people I've met and how that is equally true of every single person I see on the street. And that's pretty exciting. Definitely. And one of the final aspects of this that I would like to cover, and we've alluded to it already, is the relationship between context and how we perceive strangers. And I'd like to know, especially as it relates to our being college students, how you feel like certain environments either encourage us to make friends of strangers or discourage us from talking to those that we don't know. This semester, I took a class in the School of Business, and I'm in the School of Theater, so there was no one I knew in that class. And it was the first time in college I've taken a class without anyone I knew because I'm in a very tight-knit program. And it was definitely sort of scary to go to that first day of class and not know anyone. And it turned out that actually everyone in that class was from the same program and I was the outside one. But I think I've noticed just in general in a school setting, you have so much in common because you go to the same school that it is easier to start a conversation because I knew the right questions to ask. So I asked them, what school are you in and what year are you? There are basic questions that are easier to ask, which I think is also true across the board in college. Like when you go to parties, you can say, what school are you from? Just in general, if you see someone your age, you're likely going through a lot of the same things. So it's easy to have that conversation. Like that girl on the plane knew to ask you about college because you were both traveling around the end of a school year. I think the places in context that foster the least amount of conversation is these places maybe with the most diversity, because if everyone around you is from a different walk of life, it might be more difficult, I would imagine, to say something like in Grand Central Station, maybe when there are so many different people coming together, perhaps you don't know where to start. Or maybe that's easier. Maybe it's easier to start there and say, you know, where are you going? I think in general, if you have social skills, you can take the context from anything and ask, why are you both in the same place? You know, what are you getting at Dunkin' Donuts, etc.? That's a good way of looking at it. And before we close the episode, are there things that you would like the listeners to consider or reflect upon? I guess if you're an introvert, think about the different ways you can challenge yourself to reach out. 
even as an extrovert, that exercise with the paper flower was really difficult, I think, for everyone in one way or another. So I know when I left that class that day, I thought I should make a paper flower every single day and go up to a stranger on the street and give it to them just to practice interacting with strangers. And I haven't kept up with it, but my teacher said that he does it every time he assigns it to his class and that it's something that's cool to work on in a challenge. And I guess I would say make a paper flower and go outside and challenge yourself to give it to a stranger. It does sound like a great challenge. And I would remind people that you might perceive strangers in others and they perhaps perceive the same in you. But social contact, especially when it's unexpected and positive, is a huge boost to someone's day. And hearing someone that you've never met before ask how you are or another genuine question could really make your day. And I think it's important to remember that we all have the social capacity to prevent people from being strangers and to make new friends. And if that's too idealistic for you, just remember that social contact and interaction is very healthy. And I think it's something we all benefit from and gives us a better perspective of the world. And finally, I would challenge people to think about their social in-groups and out-groups and legitimately reflect upon whether you truly believe that your in-group is as small as it could possibly be. And if it needs to be as small as it is, I won't claim to know these answers, but I do think it's worth consideration. And I feel the need to add a vital clarification after reading an article which went viral this week entitled, How to Talk to a Woman Who is Wearing Headphones, published by The Modern Man. It warrants a longer and separate discussion, but this discussion today was not an encouragement to flagrantly approach any stranger, regardless of gender, that you might meet. I disagree with the rather inconsiderate tone taken in the article, and advise compassionate, conscientious, and reflective behavior above all else. And so, Olivia, thank you very much for being on today. Thanks for having me. Of course. But as always, we do want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or any opinions whatsoever that you would like to share, we would love it if you did so. And you can reach out to us on Twitter or on Facebook, where if you like our page, you will receive weekly updates when we post episodes or new links. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and reviewing the show, which helps us expand the audience, and we always appreciate that, and sharing it with a friend that you think might also enjoy it or benefit from this conversation. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off.